Hello, everyone. Welcome to my show, Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian entrepreneurs, leaders, and interesting allies that I meet in my life. This is your host, Priyanka Komla. And to all our wonderful listeners out here, subscribe to our YouTube channel for Career Startup Podcast. And you can also listen to us on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. So make sure you do that before you check on our show. So today I have with me a wonderful guest who is an ally to the Asian community. And here he is. Wenard Wright, who's currently the CIO of op, CIO and the VP for operations for Ironbow Technologies. Hi, Wenard. Welcome to my show. Hello, Priyanka. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. It's such a pleasure to have you, Wenard. And Wenard is somebody that I've really admired through his wisdom and you know, the kind of information that he shares on social media. And it's always interesting to learn from IT leaders like you, Wenard, who are mentors and virtual role models for a lot of people of color. Oh, thank you. It means a lot. And for me, a big part of the reason I do that is because I think it's important for younger people, um, the generations that are coming behind us, to really see that someone who looks like them or someone who looks different from the typical faces you see is also in a position of power. And what I try to make sure I communicate are the different things that you need to do not to be guaranteed success, but it, it to increase the likelihood that you will be successful. Um, you know, so growing up, I really didn't see a lot of professional role models. Didn't mean they weren't out there. I just wasn't exposed to them. So I do try to make sure I'm as visible as possible so that as many people have, exact, have access to me as possible. I think that's important for younger people to see that and to be able to touch someone who's where they want to be. I agree. And thank you so much for being on Career Startup Podcast. And that's one of the reasons, you know, um, we try to bring in guests like you who can share wisdom and personal journeys that would really inspire and ignite conversations. Thank you. Thank you. So, Wenard, you have an awesome portfolio. And let me share that with our listeners here. So you've joined um, Ironbow, uh, uh, you know, some time back. But prior to that, you've performed in CIO, Chief Information Officer roles for WSSC, the CIO for Prince George's County here in Maryland, and the Director of Technology for Hillary Clinton's 2008 political campaign. And you've also served on several boards to help widen perspectives on the latest methods for applying digital technologies and best practices to solve business problems for organizations. So that's very impressive. Oh, thank you. To our listeners on Curry Up Startup Podcast, in this episode with Wenard Wright, the CEO of Ironbow Technology, we're going to talk about three important topics. One, how did Wenard get a seat at the table as a CIO? Two, three skill sets that every IT leader needs to know. And three, how do you create a personal brand? And this is something Wenard does really well. So let's get some tidbits about how do you curate your own personal brand? So Wenard, are you excited? I am excited. Absolutely, I am. So let's start with your childhood, Bennett. I knew I know you grew up in Maryland and spent a lot of your time here. Tell us a little bit more about your childhood. And did you always dream of being a CIO since then? No. So I never dreamed of being a CIO when I was little. I wanted to be a marine biologist or an oceanographer. But one of the impediments I uncovered in that aspiration is that that requires a lot of chemistry. So although I love fish, I'm not great at chemistry. So I decided I needed to do something different. So when I went to school, I went to University of Maryland. I was studying business administration. So business administration gave me a very broad background that I think served me well. 
Uh, and from there, I got married pretty early. I uh, got married right out of college. So I got married at 22. Still married to her um, 25 years later. So you can do the math. And one of the things that my wife uh, said at the time was, uh, so she's a hairstylist. And she said, Bernard, uh, you have a degree. I don't. And I make twice as much money as you. So I got into IT just to make more money than my wife. And it worked out. So it wasn't anything that I planned. And to be honest, I think that if I did plan it, I probably wouldn't be where I am. But I think one of the most important characteristics you can have in your career journey, whether it's in IT or something else, is to be flexible and to make sure that you see opportunities. And when you see those opportunities, be prepared to exploit those opportunities. Uh, but touching on something else you uh, mentioned earlier is your personal brand is important. So I do think that it's important to make sure that you have great connections and that people know what they what they're getting when you're going to join them. So, you know, those are all things that I try to be conscious of. And it's worked out well for me. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons we want to delve deeper into how you do these things successfully so our listeners can learn from you. Now, I should say kudos to your wife for being that inspiration to achieve better than what you thought you could. Yep. Yeah. She she's I'd say she's the most important part of my journey now. So I had two, I've had the benefit of having two strong women. Uh, so my father was always there. Uh, he worked for the post office for 35 years. And what I got from him was working hard. But my mother stayed at home. So there were five of us growing up. I'm the oldest of five children. And she made sure that I did my schoolwork. She made sure that there was discipline. And she made sure that there were certain things that were built into me. So it was her who always had her hand on me making sure that I stayed on the right path and that I wasn't an embarrassment to myself or to the family or even to my county or anyone else. Uh, so that was critical. Uh, but I'd say now my wife is always encouraging me when I'm having a bad day. She's the one who says, hey, you know what? It's going to be OK. And I'm able to talk through it with her so I can say she's my best friend. Uh, but also at the same time, if I'm falling off track a bit, She's the one who reminds me, hey, you're capable of doing more, so I expect you to do it. So it's, it's a bit of a, it's tough love at times, but at the same time, a very sympathetic ear. And I think it's very important to make sure that someone is in your corner as a cheerleader. You know, that's very true. And here you are, you've made your family very proud. So I'm quite sure they see your success and enjoy it as much as you do. I like to believe so. That's awesome. So. Let's talk about your role as a CIO. Now, one of the challenges that we always see with senior IT leaders is you focus on technology rather than the business outcomes. What is your take on the philosophy that an IT leader needs to follow to have a seat at the table and have a strategic impact in the business outcomes? So I think it's very important to make sure you're observing the landscape and to not come in with what you've done before. I think all of the things you've done before, the previous roles you've had, really give you a wide perspective, but it doesn't mean that anything you've done before is going to work where you are now. Um, so every organization is different. So even if you had a two-year strategic plan that was successful at your previous job, it doesn't mean that same plan is going to be successful where you are. So going back to what I said before, it's important to be flexible, but it's also important to see the signs and to get to know the culture of the organization. And with that, you really are able to go in and see where the pain points are. Um, but more importantly, it's also, it also gives you the ability 
to create the, the relationships you're going to need in order to hear where pain points are and to see where opportunities are. So the way that I tend to operate is I don't go in and say, here's what we're going to do. The business knows their jobs a whole lot better than I do. So what I try to do is be a person who helps to empower whatever their mission is and to try and use technology as a way for them to be able to achieve their mission. Um, so at Ironbo, I do try to make sure I'm forging relationships with different parts of the business. And there are challenges that have been out there for years, um, just as you know, same thing with WSSC and Prince George's County prior to me joining, there were things that they were trying to do for years. So those were the proverbial low hanging fruit, you know, where I could just go in and say, okay, you know what? I've done that before, you know, for example, an ERP implementation, I've, I've done several of those and I knew how to get them past that point. Over at WSSC, putting in a new billing system, I'd put in financial systems before. Those were opportunities, even though they were multi-year initiatives, I could bring my experience. But at the same time, it wasn't me going in to say, here's what I'm going to do, because maybe I would have missed the mark if I had focused on something else that was less important to the business. So I think as an IT leader, it really is important to see where that, those opportunities are, to see what they really want to focus on, and to really clear the way for those things to happen. I like the attitude, Bernard, because sometimes you feel like I'm good at this, I have expertise at it, and you try to implement it at a new organization. But really introspecting the fundamental values, the core mission of the organization and seeing how technology can be an enabler for the business is very crucial in terms of a mindset shift for a lot of IT leaders like us. It really is. And, you know, I think we're tempted to believe we're the smartest person in the room every time, uh, you know, and... The more you do it, the, you know, I guess you are more inclined to say, hey, you know what, I've done that a dozen times before I know what I'm doing. But it's also important to realize that technology is changing, the world is changing, which means that there are always new ways to do things. So you're always learning as well. And you know what, at the same time, if you make a mistake, making sure that you don't have an ego that's so large that you can't take feedback. So I do welcome, welcome feedback. I look for opportunities for improvement. And you know what, in the long run, that's going to make me a much, much better IT leader as a result. That's very true. And I'm so glad you're doing it well. You know, as a leader, it's, it gets lonely as you go to the top, right? But, you know, how do you stay grounded and connected with your frontline staff and really have an open door in terms of understanding the feedback and really pivoting uh, the way you respond to them? Well, I think it's cliche. Yeah, a lot of people say, hey, I have an open door policy, but don't do anything to make sure that door is open. So for me, I schedule times, I make sure that there are um, times where I'm talking to the entire team, all hands meetings, I welcome skip level meetings. But something I just did last week is I also did a reverse uh, appraisal. So these were, it was a series of 25 questions just to make sure that I was aware of what the blind spots were in the organizations. So these are tough questions about whether people plan on staying with the organization. If not, why are they planning to leave? How I'm operating as a leader, how my managers are operating. And that really gives you the ability to see things that you wouldn't get to see otherwise. And of course, the most important thing is to make sure that it's a safe space. So this was an anonymous survey. Um, so there are no fear there's no fear of repercussions. Wanted people to know that I wanted their honest feedback. And as a result, I got honest feedback. You know, we were doing well, 
but there are definitely some areas where we can improve. And those are the things I'm looking to make sure we're zeroing in on. Getting candid feedback from staff and encouraging them to have these open conversations is a great sign of a successful leader. And I'm so glad you're doing it for the organization. Thank you. Thank you. We can always do a better job. But like I said, it's always a matter of seeing where those things are that you need to improve on. Yeah. And blind spots are hard for be it a leader, be it for the team and for the organization. It is. It is. And one of the things that really gets in the way of that is just the fact that our schedules are so busy. Uh, you know, for me, there it's not unusual for me to have 14 meetings in a day, which is why it's critical to make sure you're building those points in where you're getting that feedback where people know that they can stop in. It's almost like lab hours for a professor. You know you can stop in and talk to the professor professor during these times. Same thing with me. I just try to make sure that people know that there are certain times where I can hear from them directly, but also that, so that they can hear directly from me as well. So as a CIO, we spoke about how technology is evolving. What are the three trends that you're seeing in the field of technology that we need to be aware of? Well, the cloud is a big one. Uh, so years ago, we heard about it. I mean, the cloud has been out there for a long time. I know people were, were starting to focus on it more. But one of the biggest things that helped to speed up the transition to the cloud was COVID-19. So as a result of everyone having to go remote, technologies like Zoom, uh, Zoom has blown up, uh, WebEx, Teams, and others, Overnight, those became popular, but Office 365 is another example of us having to pivot quickly to make sure that you're able to do the same thing from home that you're able to do in the office. So the cloud is a big transition. Also, artificial intelligence is, an, is another major shift for us. Um, you know, artificial intelligence is necessary now just based on the scale of data that we're producing. So with us being in the cloud, with us having all of these IoT devices, it's creating tons of data that we have to sift through. And it's almost impossible for us to really be able to make sense of all of it. So that's another trend that I think we really need to pay attention to. And some other technologies that haven't taken a hold yet, but I think there are lots of opportunities are probably around artificial intelligence and virtual reality, just being able to speed up the scenarios and to replicate them in real world uh, use cases, I think is going to be something that we're going to see a lot more of as well. Thank you for summing up, you know, cloud computing, artificial intelligence and virtual reality. There's a lot of talk around it, but getting to the actual implementation phase and for organizations to shift their legacy um, systems towards these newer models for business is a huge paradigm shift for them. It is. It is. And, you know, with that, what I try to do is I try to make sure that we do have a certain amount of bandwidth, and that's both from a personnel perspective, but also financially, to focus on some of those newer technologies. You know, so the majority of what we do, probably 60 to 70 percent is going to be focused on keeping the lights on, just those day-to-day -day operational activities that you know, are, there's no way avoiding them. And we have systems that are in production. We have uh, desktops and network that have to be supported. But at the same time, we also have to support those and, and build new enhancements and feature sets on top of what we already have. But then a certain subset also needs to be focused on different ways of doing business. And that's where innovation comes in. But you have to be deliberate, you know, because money really is focused on day-to-day -day operations and making sure those day-to-day -day operations get a little bit better. But there are some game changers that could potentially 
increase revenue if we focus on those as well. So that has to be a part of your roadmap as well. Now, as we speak about roadmap, budget constraints is always a challenge for IT, right? Especially mm-hmm. as a CIO. How do you handle that in terms of getting the buy-in and the uh, from the executive leadership? Well, for me, I, I try to make sure that I'm quantifying what it takes in order to run business today. Uh, if you can say that for us to provide this level of service, this is the amount of money we need, which means that you have to have a pretty good feel for your contracts. You have to have a pretty good feel for your recurring service agreements, all of those different things. And let make sure people are clear that if the budget is cut by this amount, here's going to be the impact. But as we all know, it gets more and more expensive to run IT every year. So you really have to be creative enough and I guess savvy enough to be able to tell that story, to say that if we want to do these additional things, here's how much it's going to cost and here's the value we're going to get as a result of doing that. So if we put in this new AI, then we can do these additional things. And as a result of being the, being able to do these additional things, we can, we can double our revenue by this, you know, by this time frame. And so that's important when talking to a CFO. They really don't talk in generalities. They want to see that you have a good command on numbers and what's going to happen as a result of you, of them investing their hard-earned dollars into some technology that really is far out. Uh, so our CFO right now, he talks about the robots, you know, he's talking about robotic process automation, but he refers to them as robots. Hey, the robots are going to take over. And, you know, what I communicate is that if we do move, move towards RPA, we'll be able to cut down on these additional tasks. And as a result, we don't have to hire more people, but we can do more. So those are the kinds of stories that you have to tell. You really have to quantify in terms of dollars and resources what value you're going to get as a result of investing in something. That's a nice segue to the next question, which I wanted to ask. What are the three skill sets that every IT leader needs to have? And one, I believe, is having the right metrics to back up your business justification. Oh, absolutely. You do have to have great metrics in place. But I'd say that even more than the hard skills that you need to have, you know, in terms of data analytics and business intelligence and laying out metrics, it really is around soft skills. So IT obviously has to be aligned with the business very closely. So there are certain intangible qualities I think IT leaders need to have. And the first is being able to communicate well. Um, you know, being able to listen. listen. Listening is a huge part of communication, but also being able to talk about your strategy and why it makes sense for the business. So that's number one. Uh, in addition to that, uh, making sure that you are likable. Uh, that, that is a critical skill. Uh, people are more inclined to partner with people they like. It shouldn't be that, you know, people are avoiding you or rolling their eyes when you walk into the room. So it's important that that's an important step for being able to develop strong relationships. And I would say the last is being flexible because we can lay our plans out there and say, here's what's going to happen at this point in time. But we all know that it tends not to go that way. It's, it's never that smooth. So when your plans are blown up, being able to pick up the pieces and pivot as you need to. Uh, no one really knew that in March we were all going to be remote. So the plans we had for the remainder of the year all went out the window when COVID-19 really took off. So as an IT leader, it's important to make sure that not only you're flexible, but your team is flexible as well. That's a great piece of advice. Um, it's COVID. 
all organizations are scrambling to figure out if their IT infrastructure can meet the growing demand in terms of the bandwidth, the number of users who can log into the VPNs and you know, how the systems can actually align with the business needs. That's right. That's right. Now, let me ask your take about empowering women and creating more gender balanced, diverse teams in IT. What have you been doing personally to, inc- to shift the needle? So Ironbow, I'm proud to say, um, recently we have realized that we needed to do a better job of across the board. So diversity is not just racial diversity, as you said, it's it's gender, it's age, it's uh, religion, it's a number of different things that really make up diversity. So we realized that we needed to make sure that across all of those different sectors, we had better representation. So we're looking at different strategies that we could put in place to make sure that there is more gender diversity, that there is more racial diversity, and that there's more diversity in general. And the reason being is because there is lots of benefit to be realized as a result of having a diverse organization. So in the past, what I've done at when I was at WSSC as CIO, I had a women's tech panel. You know, so I brought in people. Uh, who who were women who have been very successful in their careers just to talk about different things, strategies, um, advocates, different things that people needed to be aware of to make sure that they were increasing diversity, um, to increase gender diversity. And I learned a lot as a result of being a part of that conversation. For example, making sure that certain communications, whether it's email or position descriptions, didn't have certain things that might turn women off. And those are things that I just never would have thought of before because I'm always looking at it from my perspective. Uh, But in addition to that, it also made me realize that it's very important to have safe spaces for women to talk about what some of their challenges are. And going back to what I said before, being able to provide that anonymous feedback without any fear of repercussions so that you're able to realize how well your organization is doing and to help to identify things that you can potentially do better. Um, so I'm looking forward to carrying that forward. And like I said, I'm very happy that Ironbow has realized that there are some opportunities for improvement. And I'm confident that we're going to address those areas. Kudos to you, Wenert, and Ironbow's leadership team for really focusing on how do you, you know, create more diversity, not just for the sake of it, not for just because of uh, you know, the, the crises that you see around us with a lot of uh, issues around racial injustice. Uh, you know, I'm so glad you're taking it, you know, very seriously in terms of opportunities for growth. And that's something that would really help a lot of women and, you know, everybody else to be part of an inclusive team. I agree. So I know that we are at a point in time in our history where we are very focused on it. But what I'm concerned with is where we're going to be a year from now. Are we still going to continue to have these conversations? Are we going to be able to indicate that we've made progress over time? So it is important to make sure that it's not just checking the box. Hey, I had a panel discussion, but that you're putting concrete strategies in place as a result of having those conversations. Now, something that's personal to you, which I wanted to share with our listeners. So the Wright family had uh, three generations of people who attended the March on Washington, and there was one recently in August. Tell us why you decided to speak up and uh, share your take on this. Well, for me, it was personal. Uh, It ended up being a lot more personal than I expected. Uh, So when George Floyd was killed uh, a couple of months back, I 
avoided taking a look at that video for a long time because I knew, I, you know, everyone was talking about it. And I really didn't, you know, want to be a part of that discourse. Um, but I eventually did look at the video and it struck me in a very profound way. And part of the reason it was prof so profound for me is because I'm the same age. And granted, I mean, we all have different backgrounds. So I'm not saying that I'm the same person as George Floyd or anyone else, but it's just the fact that, you know, here's this 46 year old black male who was killed. And, you know, it's, I really wanted to make sure that I was a part of not how we got to this point, but solutions moving forward. So for me, I do try to make sure that I'm not focused on any negativity, uh, that I'm not focused on things that happened years ago or even leading up to this point, but that moving forward, it's a much better world, not just for myself, but for the generations behind us, for people that I interact with. So I want to make sure that I'm communicating as much as possible. And it's always a challenge that we are all part of a larger universal mosaic. Uh, if you aren't here, that's going to have a ripple impact. Uh, if a certain country is not respected as well as another, that has an impact. If minorities are not at, at if they don't have a seat at the table, then that has an impact. If women are not represented at the same percentage as everyone else, that has an impact. So I'm really trying to make sure that I'm bring, bringing visibility to that issue. And like I said, making sure that I'm a part of the solution moving forward. Thank you. That's so amazing to hear from you, Wenard. Thank you. Thank you. So let me ask you this. What is Wenard's personal brand? And what is one tip that you would give for IT leaders to curate their own personal brand? Well, I don't take myself seriously. I know that I'm out there and, you know, I do have a lot of connections on LinkedIn, but I try to make sure that I'm sincere. And, you know, this is just what you get. So for a long time, I spent energy trying to make sure that everyone liked me. And, you know, if you do that, then you're surprised when you come across someone who doesn't. So since then, I've just given up trying to make sure that I'm represented well to everyone. And, you know, I just say, here's who I am. And that's part of the reason why on LinkedIn, I put up a picture of, you know, how I'm dressed at the top with the shirt and tie on, but, you know, I have shorts and flip flops at the bottom and, you know, that was well received. But I think that part of the reason it was so well received is because it was a sincere message. And I try to make sure that that is a part of my brand that, if I'm talking to you here or if I see you in person or if I'm talking to someone else, I respect everyone equally and you're going to see the same person. I'm always going to try to be professional. I'm always going to try and show love and compassion for not just the people I report to, but the people uh, that report to me as well and the people I interact with. And that's just who I am. And, you know, we never know what tomorrow's going to bring. So what really resonates is your legacy, uh, the people, what people think about you. I mean, at a certain point, we're all going to be gone from this earth. And it's really about the story that people tell about you. Unfortunately, we don't hear that story, but I want to make sure that my story is a good one to tell. And, you know, you come across as someone, Wenard, who's very authentic. You know, that's the way I see you projecting yourself wherever you are. Well, I mean, part of it is probably the way that I was brought up. Like I said, I had a very a humble upbringing. Uh, I was one of five children who grew up in a house. I mean, my father, I don't think ever made more than 50,000. And I'm amazed how he did it. But I think that put a certain thing in me that it was just a certain hunger. 
but at the same time, it's I'm no better than anyone else. Uh, and there's always this fear that things are going to be gone. And if everything material is gone, all you really have are the relationships. So I try to make sure that every relationship I have and the ones that you spend time on are quality relationships. And the only, only way for me to do that is to be authentic. So I take a lot of pride in that, but also put a lot of effort into making sure that I remind myself to always be authentic. Have you ever had a low moment in your career and how did you handle it? Well, I have low moments all the time. <laughs> just as recently as last Friday, I mean, just uh, we, we had an outage and, you know, I was disappointed that the outage happened. And but what you have to do is take a step back and take a look. Number one, react quickly, um, make sure that it's taken care of. But what can I do to avoid that in the future? So for those low moments, I try to see what I can get out of them. Uh, you know, so there there have been jobs where it hasn't been the, the best job. And but you always learn something from that job. And I try to understand what it is I can learn from that job and how that can carry me forward. So for all of those low moments, of course, it's tough when you're going through it, but make sure that you're spending time to pick up those lessons and to make sure that you're applying those lessons moving forward. So that's the, that's the way I try to make sure that I'm addressing all of those low moments. Thank you for sharing those vulnerable moments. It's, it's always nice to see a leader like you open up and truly share the feelings that you go through because you don't have answers to every possible problem that you encounter as part of your career journey. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have answers for everything. If we did, I think we'd all be billionaires, right? Hey, I'm quite sure we can build our paths in some way uh, <laughs> eventually. So we have a fun rapid fire round for you. Are you ready for it, Wenard? I am. I am. So tell us the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following. Role model. For me, I'd say that Barack Obama is a role model for me. And the reason being is... I looked at how he ran for president. A lot of people tried to throw him off track by saying things that were inflammatory or insensitive or, you know, outright racist. And he never reacted to them. Um, so that's something I try to make sure that I'm building into myself as well to not get offended by ignorance, uh, but to turn it around and make it a positive. So for me, just the way he responded to tough challenges, that really is something that I look up to. You know, rising as a leader, he's one of the finest exemplary leaders uh, that our generation can be inspired about. I agree. And it's not a political issue. I mean, you just take a look at him as a person. I mean, he had a huge job and he really showed a lot of respect for everyone he came across, whether it was a difference of opinion or not. And I think civility is something that's missing from our culture today and something we need to get back to. What does success mean to you? Uh, for me, success is not monetary. I mean, I've, uh, I do make a good salary. I've made a good salary for a long time, but that doesn't bring happiness. For me, success means that the people who are closest to you think highly of you. The people that are closest to you respect you. Uh, and it's, like I said, not monetary. I mean, you can make 30000 a year, but have everyone's respect. And to me, that's success. It really is about what people are going to say about you at the end of the day. I mean, you can be a billionaire and have two people at your funeral, but you can be a person who is uh, hangs out on the beach all day, every day, and have a funeral that's attended by tens of thousands. So to me, that really is success. It's what the people say about you and what people think of you. And is that the legacy that you want to leave behind? 
Absolutely it is. I mean, that's what keeps me up at night. Am I having a positive impact on this world? And if I am, then I'm successful. What is your native language and one word to describe yourself in it? Uh, my native language my, my, my native language is English and that kind of caught me off guard because I'm thinking about the one word that would describe me. That that's a very good question. One word to describe me. Um, I would say introspective. Um, I'm always looking to see where I can do better. Um, I'm always trying to understand what my shortcomings are and what I can do to address those things. And as a result of that, I, I you know I know that I tend to focus on everything that remains to be done. So I'm trying to do a better job of also celebrating those victories as well. You know, not just seeing that, hey, there are a thousand things that remain to be done, but also recognizing that, hey, we've done 500. Thank you so much, Renard, for your thoughtful insights. Uh, it's been inspiring to get to know you and to our listeners to understand your career journey and how you got to the top. Thank you. I'm glad you had me. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. So that was Renard Wright, the CIO of Ironboard Technology. Thank you so much again, Renard, for being on Career Startup Podcast. You're and welcome. To our listeners, the three top takeaways on our Career Startup Podcast with Renard Wright, the CIO of Ironbow Technology. One, be authentic and let that be your personal brand so people can see you for who you are. Two, the three skill sets that every IT leader needs to have is A, uh, be likable, B, communicate, be a storyteller, and C, be open to feedback, putting your ego aside. And three, leave as a legacy behind, which could be as simple as creating a positive impact for the people around you. So thank you so much again, Wenard. And to our listeners, hope you enjoyed this episode. Until another interesting episode with another interesting guest, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off from Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian leaders, entrepreneurs, and allies like Wenard. Do subscribe to our podcast on our Career Startup YouTube channel and on all your podcast streaming platforms. Thank you and have a wonderful rest of the day.